You are listening to the Senior Pastor Podcast, where four giants of the Restoration Movement walk us through the issues facing the church today. Your four hosts are Bob Russell, Don Wilson, Ken Eidelman, and Scott Rawlings. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Brooke Bratzman, CEO and founder of Go Ministries. Go Ministries empowers local leaders to make disciples. After 30 years of leading this ministry, the next generation is taking it to a whole nother level. And I have had the privilege of starting a new area called Go Legacy, where we focus on pastoral care, resourcing new initiatives, and teaching and modeling kingdom generosity. If you'd like to learn more, please go to gomen.org. We all leave a legacy. What will your legacy look like? Welcome, everyone. This is Matt Rawlings. Welcome to the Senior Pastor Podcast. I'm a teaching pastor at Christ Community Church, but we are joined by three of our four regular uh, hosts and one special guest. So we are joined by Bob Russell, founder of Southeast Christian Church, and also you need to check out Bob Russell Ministries. Ken Eidelman, who is the former president of Ozark Christian College and the senior pastor of of Crossroads Christian Church, and now a uh, vice president at the Solomon Foundation, and Scott Rawlings, a.k.a. my dad, the founding pastor of Christ Community Church in Portsmouth, Ohio. And we are joined by a very special guest, the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, the host of the podcast that everyone needs to listen to every weekday, The Briefing. He also has a YouTube channel, which you should check out, and many, many, many books. Uh, My favorite, I believe, is The Conviction to Lead. Uh, But Dr. Al Mohler, welcome. It's good to be here with all of you. Well, thank you very much. I I, want to kick this off by talking about something that uh, I'm just, I told my wife, who is the producer of this podcast, that I was going to do this selfishly because one of the things I always look forward to is Dr. Moeller's summer reading list. I love to look at what you're looking at and I try to pick up as many books as I can and, and read them over the summer as, as well. I know many other pastors talk about because it's not just theology and leadership and, yeah. and, and, and commentaries and so forth, all of which are important for pastors, but there's a lot of American history, world history, and, and, and so forth. And so why those recommendations? Why do you think pastors, because I remember years ago when I worked for, um, back then it was Alliance Defense Fund, it's now Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, Alan Sears, leadership coach saying, print is dead. Mm. And it seems with a lot of pastors, that's the truth. It's podcast, YouTube, but you seem to be a big believer that pastors should pick up hard copy books and read them. Can you talk about that just for a minute? Yeah, walking into my library is pretty much uh, affirmation of that. <laughs> thousands and thousands of books. Uh, and the reason for that is, uh, you know, Peter Drucker, who I think is one of the most insightful people in the 20th century, said that by the time a man is, say, 25, he needs mm-hmm. to know if he's an eye person or an ear person. And uh, it, was a, it was a good leadership challenge to recognize that we have to be both leaders as eyes and ears. We have to be able to listen. We have to be able to read. But they're two different forms of input, and, and they don't last equally. Mm-hmm. So his point is, if you're an ear person, you got to work at reading. If you're an eye person, you got to work at listening. That's a good thing for anyone to know. Mm. But there are two different forms of input. So that is to say that this is almost biblical. This is like Jesus talking. You know, the, what goes in the ear is, right. is pretty perishable. Right. So I am thankful for podcasts. I do one. 
I'm yes. thankful people yes, listen to them. <laughs> I put a lot of my life into it. But that's very different than the longevity of the printed page. So I think most of us need to recognize that even though someone may go back and try to find something from a podcast, that's very different than someone pulling a book down off a shelf. The Christian church has been a literacy movement from the beginning. Wherever you have found Christians, you have found scrolls, and you have found manuscripts. You have found the books and the parchments, as Paul said, and you have found the survival of these things. And, you know, so I take people, students, I just mostly enjoy taking students into my library. I, I, I have a page mm-hmm. that's 1,100 years old in my library from, from a book wow. of, of prayers. And I just tell them, like, n- no sound from that age has existed for a millennium. Right. But this page does. Right. This page tells you something. And so it's just, it's just a different thing. I just want to encourage pastors that they are impoverishing themselves if they don't read. And frankly, if they don't enjoy reading, yeah. So the summer reading list is really about enjoying reading, because that's not like assigned reading. It's what I enjoy reading, and in the summer I give myself a little more time to read things, especially from military history, world history, right. American history, historical biography. I take some of the ones I think are most fun and just put them out there. I've been, Dad and I have been training some young men to be ministry leaders in, in our church, and I've encouraged them. One of the things I've said is in reading widely is you're also going to collect these stories that are going to seep in and they're going to seep into your Absolutely. teaching and preaching. Absolutely. You know, it's whether it's for you, I know you read a lot about World War II. I read a lot about the Civil War. You know, little stories like I, I love the story of the Second Battle of Bull Run and, you know, the, the North is being routed and a lieutenant is trying to rally his troops, a Northern lieutenant. And he looks at a soldier who's retreating and he says, Son, where are you going? Don't you love your country? He said, yes, sir. I'm trying to get back to it as quick as I can. Human experience comes out in the crucible of the hardest of times, which is why every history book is written about when nothing particular happened. Right. Almost every book is written about something that's of compelling interest, someone who is of compelling right. interest. Yeah, and so if we could build on that, uh, Bob, I know you're a reader. Do you have anything that you like to focus? I know that the pastors listen. We we are pounded. Read these leadership books. You know, read this thing on theology. Read church history. But are there other things you just like to read? That because I've listened to you preach, and not only are you a solid biblical preacher, you always have great stories that I, it seems like you glean from your reading. What do you like to read? One of the frustrations that I've had in retirement is a lot of my reading is books sent to me by friends that they're writing that they want me to review. (laughs) (laughs) Endorsements, right. That can take up too much time. I've enjoyed like David McCulloch's books on American history about John Adams and 1776. Truman. And, uh, and I like World War II history. I'm, some of my reading gets a little lighter. I, I like uh, even sports books. I, I get a lot of illustrations from mm-hmm. everyday experiences that people relate. But I, I had a friend of mine, Cotton Jones, that came to preach a revival for me when I was a young preacher, and he went through my library, and he said, you know, you can look at a man's library and know when his mind died. Ah. Uh. I wasn't sure what he meant, but I went out and bought some more books before he came back. <laughs> 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 well, I think that's true. You, you quit reading and, you, and yeah. your mind dies. Mm-hmm. Ken, remember, what about you? I remember uh, visiting in the home of uh, my major professor at Lincoln Christian Seminary, Dr. James Strauss. He married a saint of a woman because he turned their home into a library. 
he had 25, personally had 25,000 volumes. Wow. And uh, that's why he never moved. That's a lot of boxes of books. <laughs> I remember a conversation I had with him. I said, uh, Dr. Strauss, how, tell me the truth. I said, have you read all of these books? And he said, I don't buy a book until I've read it first. Yeah. And I, that lodged in my mind. And I thought, you know, he's, he's attached. Uh, and he was a brilliant man. And he was like uh, Jack Cottrell at Cincinnati, just somebody who was a staunch defender of the faith and articulate effective communicator. So I was really influenced by him in my formative years mm. to, uh, to be a reader. A lot of my books in recent years have been in, in the area of leadership. Of course, there's a lot that's been written in the last few years about leadership. You couldn't, used to be, you couldn't find a book on leadership. And, uh, and now the market is flooded. And I find a lot of value in that as far as equipping for, for ministry. And of course, when you are preaching and teaching, and I I teach some classes in, in the church here and men's groups and, and out and about in churches preaching. That keeps you that keeps you in the Word. And my favorite days are the days when I have my open Bible and my volumes around me, and mm -hmm. I, I like to feel the, the pages. Although this little uh, cell phone, if you can remember a line from a book or a poem or if you can remember a title or an author, you can uh, a lot of times pull up information on the, on the cell phone. One of the redeeming values of the cell phone. Uh, One of the few, yeah. It is, is it's right there. I used right. to stand in front of shelves of books and say, now where did I read that? And I can't remember exactly where that was. Now I find it a lot quicker. Yeah. So, Dad, I know that, uh, you know, almost 51 years that I've known you uh, this month that you've always been a reader. And I know that on top of scripture and commentaries, I've seen you read a lot of stuff on, especially I know that one of you, a couple of your passions are uh, General George Patton and Winston Churchill. I know part of that is because your uncle served under George Patton in North Africa and Italy, but I know Churchill is another one. So talk a little bit about that. I try to read at least one book a, a month, and that doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, as you're trying to help your youngest son keep out of trouble at church it I don't have a lot of time left over so and I I was I read some when I knew that Dr. Moeller was going to be here I did a little background on uh -oh. some fun things <laughs> on him too that uh, that I think are really important and I was looking at the history of the Christian churches and their relationship to the Baptist churches in frontier time and so on and found out that, that Alexander Campbell really at one time, and this is all news to me just recently, had a big influence on what at that time was probably one of the leading Baptist theologians and leaders because he was the president of Baylor University at that time. Mm. Looked like for a while that Campbell and, and Dr. Crane, I think his last name, mm. and, uh, uh, were going to be able to work together in and I think they were both motivated by post-millennialism, to be honest with you, but, uh, but it was really interesting that those conversations were going on because one of the things that I wondered about is how those of us who believe the word and are, and are not willing to compromise on it and are willing to take our stand on the integrity of the Bible, how we can work together again because the, the evangelical movement has fallen apart, as you all know, because of problems and that. But I really admire this man 
and his courage, and I've listened to him, and, and I've got some questions I want to ask him before he leaves oh. here, too. But anyway, I, that's the kind of stuff I enjoy doing, really. And uh, let me say real quick, at this time we're going to take just a break to hear from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Brooke Brutzman, CEO and founder of Go Ministries. Go Ministries empowers local leaders to make disciples. After 30 years of leading this ministry, I have turned it over to the next generation and couldn't be more pleased with how they're leading and all they're doing. That allows me to focus on a new area called Go Legacy, where we focus on pastoral care, resourcing new initiatives, and kingdom generosity. And folks, let's face it, if you're connected at all with the church, whether a regular attender, an elder, and certainly if you're on staff, you see the pressures that our leaders are under. It is an incredible burden that they bear and often bear alone. Go Ministries has been privileged to walk alongside hundreds of local leaders right here serving in our own churches. And we want to do more through counseling, encouragement, and equipping those pastors. But that doesn't happen without new initiatives and new resources. And that brings us to kingdom generosity. Folks, God owns it all. And we need to live into that each and every day. Please go to gomen.org and ask yourself, what will your legacy look like? I would suggest the Stone Campbell movement by Leroy Garrett, and there are others that people can can pick up, pick up and see where, yeah, Thomas and Alexander Campbell, their first connections, they left, left the Presbyterian Church and basically connected with the Baptists in Western Pennsylvania and what we now call West Virginia and so forth. Um, I want to shift from. I that. served as pastor yeah. of a Union Church. Really, for several years. Where at? Uh, Trimble County, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Um, so it was a union of Southern Baptists and independent Christian. So the wow. independents failed because it was, <laughs> it was still, called, still called a Baptist church. <laughs> no, it was it was uh, it was uh, a Union Grove Baptist Church and Union Grove Christian Church shared the same building. One of the things yeah. that I, I'd like for you to comment uh-huh. on this. One of the things I've seen happen in the length of my ministry is the yeah. breakdown of the denominational barriers that used to exist. Mm-hmm. And it seems like those who believe the Bible to be God's word and then the lordship of Christ are, mm-hmm. are overcoming those barriers. And I think that's really healthy. Yeah, I think for one thing, the world's just changed. I, I And by the way, I have some very close friends who uh, are way outside my theological orbit. Yeah. I am an inveterate Protestant an unapologetic Protestant. I have some dear friends who are Roman Catholic. I tell people we're the last people who can have an honest theological debate. They're conservative Roman Catholics. They're, they're real Roman Catholics. Uh, one of them, Robbie George, uh, on yeah. the, the uh, faculty at Princeton, very dear friend, man for whom I have the greatest admiration. Uh, we have deep, deep theological differences. But the world has changed to the degree that we now find ourselves on common ground defending the very existence of truth. Uh, defending ontology, you know, the reality that God made us male and female, uh, defending Trinitarian doctrine, so uh, and and sexual morality, and, and you know that that that's one of the issues, and the defense of human life, and so we find ourselves in that situation, and you know, Bob, I think one of the most important things is is that I'm actually more a Baptist when I'm in that setting than ever before, <laughs> and you know, it's only worth talking to Robbie George because the guy basically. You know, most of the times I talked with him, he like met with the Pope last week. Uh, he's genuinely Roman Catholic, um, and 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 that so that there's a gulf there, but we're in a common fight together, and uh, we we keep each other honest, and I mean that in a very happy way. 
in a very respectful way. Uh, on the Protestant side, you know, uh, a part of what's happened is, and I, I w I'm teaching a class right now of uh, students, all of them undergraduates up, and I don't get to teach that often, so I'm making a priority of this. And it's on the theological crisis of American evangelicalism. And so I started out in the fundamentalist modernist controversy. And in particular, yesterday you had the debate between Machen and Fosdick. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I mean, I did, these students, I have to say, they were just absolutely enthralled. They never heard anything mm. like this. Here you got these Baptist students who are thanking God for Gresham Machen, the great confessional Presbyterian, yeah. you know, because right. he took the stand for truth and more effectively than anyone else. You know, he said to Harry Emerson Fosdick, we are not two forms of Christianity. I'm a Christian and you're not. <laughs> and uh, he said, I you know, it. his book, Christianity and Liberalism, said yep. liberalism's not a form of Christianity. It's another religion. And uh, He basically called it paganism. He did. Yeah, yeah. Ab absolutely. Yeah. And so it was just great to see these Baptist students say, we have a Presbyterian hero. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and by the way, in the same book, he throws some rocks at Baptists. But you know what? We're keeping it honest. <laughs> and so, you know, even in our friendship over the years, we're not in the same place on every theological issue, but we're on the same side on the great fight. And we could work together in the Billy Graham crusade. And I consider you a dear friend and a friend of the gospel. So it, it, it's just one of those things where we have, uh, we, we have differences, and that's a part of what keeps us honest. It's the liberals who deny the differences. It's the liberals who believe in a soup great of point. truth. That's a great uh, point. We actually believe in the parts. Yeah, I cannot... Even though I, I may never forgive J. Gresham Machen for his Greek grammar, which I had to go through in Bible college, which is, oh boy. But Christianity the, the, and liberalism. There are more complex ones. <laughs> yes, you, should, yeah. you should actually thank him yes. for being rather simple. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but he's uh, memorizing the prophets ran into the desert in Greek. I'm like, what are yeah. you talking about? Uh, but Christianity and liberalism, I, I, I think, is absolute uh, required reading. Absolutely. I would also recommend The Virgin. 100 Earth by years ago, right now. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, 1923. And so also it's hard to find. I've got a copy that I stole from my dad, but The Virgin Birth is also a very good book by J. Gresham. Still Manchin. the greatest defense of the biblical I, I doctrine agree. of the virgin birth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But we were talking about this earlier, and, and we'll probably be talking about this for a while. Everyone here is you know active in, in ministry. Dad preaches at 85. Ken, you're teaching and mentoring. Bob, you're mentoring a lot of you know ministers through your you know ministry. And Dr. Moeller is training ministers, and I'm preaching. And we're in a culture now, post-COVID, what they call woke, very sensitive. I've had people walk out of my sermons because I preached on life. Right. Dad had people very upset when he called out. Not Black Lives Matter, the slogan he called out the organization when they put on their website that they were against right. the traditional family and for socialism and so forth. And he called that out from the pulpit and people got very upset. What advice do you give to preachers that you're training today in the culture where, where, where we're just hypersensitive? Well, that was a pretty significant swerve there at the end when you yeah. threw it to me. I, <laughs> yes. I didn't know exactly where you were uh, headed there. So throughout most of American history, uh, there were protest movements all along. And, and some of them were, were quite valid. Yeah. I mean, the abolitionist movement, we'll get sure. other things, we say, well, you know, they had truth on their side, you know, et cetera. And a lot of America, that people forget came out of the church. Right, yeah. right. But, but also was opposed by some in the church. Yes. And so it's a matter of honesty. But America is an argument. I mean, in, in a way, a monarchy is not. So a part of this is to recognize that 
you know, when we talk about political discord in the United States, we've, we've had congressmen attack each other on the floor, the House of Representatives. Yeah. You know, and so, the, the, and, and, and that 200 years ago. Senator nearly, beaten with a cane. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, America is an argument in a way that other forms of government are not necessarily an argument. This has been the Senior Pastor Podcast, a production of 1801 Media Incorporated. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.